Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited about a new episode of our podcast today. You're going to hear from Joey McQueen. Joey's currently the principal at Lampasas High School in Lampasas, Texas, down in the Hill Country. Joey's got a coaching background where he coached both high school and college as well. But more than that, just an incredible man of God, husband, and dad. I cannot wait for you to hear from him, so let's jump right into it. Thanks for joining me today, Joey. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's an opportunity I've been looking forward to. Awesome. Likewise. I like to start this out just, you know, so listeners kind of have an idea of who you are. Um, if you tell us a little bit about your background, maybe um, where you grew up, maybe your family growing up, a little bit about your family today. I will. Uh, Stuart, is, it's really kind of a, a crazy story. My wife and I are fixing to celebrate 46 years of marriage. And uh, we've known each other. I'm 63. We've known each other for 58 years. We were in kindergarten together. Wow. And uh, yeah, and it's uh, it's been, a, and I had a lot of hair back then. I just want you to know that. <laughs> you go figure whatever. But it's, uh, we grew up, both of us grew up in Ballinger, Texas. Uh, you know, a town kind of about the size of Brock, uh, up in uh, kind of your area, Peaster. I'm trying to think of other towns around there. But it was uh we ended up, uh, we were successful together. You know, we were high school sweethearts. Uh, and then we went to college together and uh, went to Angelo State. And the reason we went to Angelo State, uh, it's, it's a good college close to Ballinger. Uh, after about six months of marriage, we got married at age 18. Uh, she had a, a kidney out, and that was in 1977. And so uh, she wanted to set out a whole half a year. And then we went up to, uh, to the Denton area. She wanted to be a physical therapist and uh, she wanted to go to TWU. Well, I didn't want to go to that college. So I went to North Texas and we got up there. And after years, she decided she wanted to be in education as well. And uh, so we made it through college in three and a half years and got out. And our first job was in Wink, Texas. I don't know Wink? if you know. Yeah, Wink, Texas is, but as the, Texas on the Panhandle comes down and goes out towards El Paso and New Mexico sitting right there. It's right in the corner. It's 70 miles on the west side of uh, Midland and 58 miles west of Odessa. So uh, we moved from where Denton had trees and water to Wink, Texas, to where it was oil fields. Uh, we had a trailer. We were 21 years old. I had a young man in my class that was 19. And we. Uh, what was really funny about everything was – I got up one day and you could smell it. I'm like, we, we thought our gas was on in our trailer. And I uh, went to school and I said, what is that smell? And uh, one of my colleagues said, that's your paycheck. And what it was, oh, wow. was the smell of the gas. It was the smell of the, the gas, you know, coming out of the oil wells and stuff. But uh, we started there and, and then our adventure in coaching uh, went from there on back towards central Texas. Did you grow up in a family of faith? And then at what point did you make that your own faith? What point did you realize you needed that personal relationship with Jesus? That's a great uh, question, Stuart. It's, uh, no, my family was not a family of faith. Uh, in fact, uh, my older brother's 10 years older than me. And when he was a senior, he took me to church as a first grader. And uh, then the, the way I started going to church was uh, friends invited me to a youth group when we were in the sixth grade. And then uh, in the seventh grade, 
one of my best friends, Gary Prophet, who had been at Gothway for a long time, uh, he's retired now, but uh, we wanted to be baptized. And uh, we got baptized in the second service on Sunday night because we were embarrassed because our parents weren't going to be there. Mm. And so uh, it was it was good for us. We wanted to be with God, but we didn't really have anybody pushing us other than our friends. How old again were you there at that point? Uh, I was I was at the age of seventh grade. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, we got baptized. And then uh, really what started me uh, with in faith was uh, there's a coach named Lyndon Harden who was uh, one of our eighth grade coaches. Uh, he's now lives in Canyon in that area, but he would, uh, he started FCA. And so that was in 1971. And that's really when uh, I really knew what FCA was and he helped us get the faith. And uh, it just kind of went from there. That's awesome. It's just a powerful reminder of the influence and the power um, and the platform that coaches have. I mean, Others have the same as well, but just coaches, it's been said, can influence hundreds and thousands over a career. And so just hearing your story is just a reminder that coaches, you know, they have that incredible opportunity of influence. And so, you know, it's, it's what we do with it. And we'll talk a little bit more about faith as we kind of go in the conversation. I want to talk some sports. You mentioned getting into coaching. So just kind of, Give us a little snapshot of your coaching journeys. I know you've coached both at the high school and in college level. So just give us just a an overview of, of, of your journey. Well, you know, as we were speaking prior to the podcast, uh, I had goals. And uh, my goal was to be a head coach by the age of 30. It was actually 31 when I became the head coach. And you say, well, man, I'm trying to be a head coach. How do I get that job? And so I know personally that, I am where I am today because of other people. Uh, my head coach in high school was a principal at Howe, Texas. And that's up close, uh, a little north of you guys. And it was, uh, he was the superintendent at Howe. And uh, the last part of June, there was a head coach that left at Bells, Texas. And uh, that superintendent was asking if our superintendent knew of anyone. And uh, he recommended me. So on July the 4th, I became the head coach in 1989 of the Bells Panthers and uh, was very fortunate. And then I was, I went back to Howe uh, where my head coach, uh, former head coach in high school was. And I didn't, I wouldn't have done it if I had known what was fixing to happen. Bells was class A. Howe was two A. When I went back to Howe, Bells moves up to two A and we're in the same district. Oh my heavens. I love those kids at Bells. And uh, I was the person, when we played them that year, I was the person that opened the gate. When they came through that gate on that bus, they wouldn't even look at me. But mm. we were fortunate to beat them for the next two years, and they all came up after the game and hugged me. So then I went to, uh, to Mason, Texas, and uh, my daughters were fifth and sixth graders, and I was able, fortunate to stay there uh, until they graduated. And then once they graduated, I went out to West Texas, uh, went to Central Texas and then came up here. And uh, this is where we're going to end it. You know, we built a house. And uh, even if we have to go to an assisted living home, we're just going to hire someone to live in one of our bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> so what role 
did your faith play in your coaching? And then did you ever experience any resistance to it? You know, that's the hardest thing right now, Stuart, is I want to just let it spread within our school. But you know the law, what the law is. But it still gives us, uh, when the kids come to FCA, uh, when the kids see you at church, uh, I've had uh, kids from other churches at Lamb Passes that asked me to come while I see them get baptized. Hmm. And, and when a student asks me to do that, I'm not going to miss it. Right. So I'll walk into another church and people know I'm a Methodist. And they ask me, like, what are you doing here? And I said, well, this young person asked me to come watch them get baptized and I'm going to be here. So, you know, uh, it's, it's really been good. I had one of my best running backs I ever had. Uh, I could tell he wasn't a believer. And uh, in fact, they say when he's a seventh grader, he beat up a young man and threw him in a dumpster. And I'm like, whoa. So, uh, but he was one of the best running backs for me. Uh, I had an opportunity one Saturday. He was in the training room uh, getting his ankle rehab. It was just he and I. And I asked him, I said, do you, or do you know God? And he said, no, sir, I don't. Which I said, well, do you mind if I talk to you? And he gave me an opportunity because I didn't force it on him. He asked me, uh, or he let me tell him. And then we had disciple now. Uh, and he went there with some friends and kind of became a believer as he finished out high school. That's awesome. That's a another, you know, testimony of, you know, you shared how a coach impacted you and then you just passing that on. And um, that's awesome. Not only coaching, you've been in the admin world too, assistant principal and principal. So kind of how do you go or, you know, when did you feel that calling, if you will, to – to go from coaching to the admin? Well, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, Stuart, I would have laughed at you if you asked me if I was going to be a principal. Um, hmm. I tell you what, back in 09, 30 years after I got my bachelor's, I got my master's. And the only reason I got it was to uh, apply for multiple school AD jobs. And uh, it didn't make me any smarter, but what it did do was give me the perspective uh, from the principal side of it. And uh, so... Uh, it was uh, it was something that, you know, when we saw we had an assistant principal's job open here, that's when Vicki and I decided to try to come back, and uh, it was exciting. We were back, uh, you know, and then uh, something happened where I became the principal. And my first year, I started in uh, the second semester this time right now. I'm thinking, oh, what am I getting into? And then the next year was the COVID. And then the next year we had virtual learning. So I just feel like right now, this is the first year that we've had as a normal year as a principal. And I'm so excited because I know this, no school can be great unless you have great teachers and great students and great uh, administrators. I love my administration. I have Donna Lejeune and I have Paul Weinheimer. Uh, They are in the faith and uh, that's something I want to be around. It's, uh, it says that, you know, you need to surround yourself with godly people, and uh, that's what we're trying to do. And we, we had that opportunity to reach out to them and, and help lead them as well. That's awesome. So coaching and being an admin, it's a big demand on your time as well. So how do you balance that? And even when you were in the coaching world, your kids were younger, how did you balance that role of husband and dad? And then even now... Um, as a principal, 
how do you balance the the demands of life outside of school? Yeah, no, another great question. It was, you know, like I said earlier, when my daughters were fifth and sixth graders, we moved to Mason. Well, the reason it was fortunate was my wife is an educator as well. So she's on the time, same time schedule as, as I was. But I was, sometimes I didn't put everything into my family as I needed to be. I was, I felt like working was the key to be the better person. Mm. And uh, I would put in 65, 70 hours a week. And uh, about 10 years ago, I made the decision to uh, not have my staff work on Sundays. Uh, and you could do that because of the new uh, program called Huddle. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of that, they could still work, but they could be at home with their family. Some coaches don't believe in that. I do believe in it. Uh, when they have an opportunity to go to church uh, and then they go and just sit in their own recliner and do their work. Uh, now, I still went up and did some things, but it still it didn't matter. That There's a lot of time that you put into coaching and even administration. Uh, I had a friend of mine uh, that's up at Ponder. He called me the other day and he told me, he said, Joy, I've always appreciated you because you were always, you was always humble, you were legit, and you told us the truth. He said, and I see that now based on Twitter, you're just doing that with being a principal. He said, instead of doing it on the field, you're doing it in the hallways and uh, in the classrooms and stuff. And that made me feel good from uh, what people see you as. I didn't want them to see me as somebody that was arrogant. And, uh, you know, we know that not everyone's going to love you. We know that right. uh, not all teachers are, not all coaches will. I remember one of my coaches used to say, uh, Coach McQueen, you would get after our tail during the game, and then after the game you switched the light, and it was back to being a normal person. <laughs> and that kind of made me, it kind of made me feel bad because the superintendent told me one time, he said, Joe, you know why I hired you? And I said, why? He said, because you had no empathy. And I said, empathy? I care about people. He said, no, that's not what I mean. He said, in the interview process, I asked you, what do you expect from your assistant coaches? And you told me that if they don't work as hard as I do, I don't want them. He said, mm. that's why I hired you. And I said, okay, I can live with that. But, you know, it's uh, you put a lot of time in no matter what. And I think you need to. But then what I did realize is uh, we've been 12 and two and put that time in, put the same time in we were two and eight. So, you know, does it really, does the time really matter? I think the efficiency is a key word. Yeah. And, you know, and that is a world, um, I think coaching and even in the admin world, I think now is, is it's almost a badge of honor with uh, how much you work. Yeah, it is. You know, it is. And I don't hear think coaches that's a, sleeping in their offices and all that, you know, so. And I don't think that's a, I don't think that's right. And I don't, and I'm realizing that it's, someone asked me if I ever sleep and I said, well, yes, I go to bed at 1030 and I wake up at 430 and get to school at six. And sometimes when we have a basketball ministry, I'm on duty, well, I get home to 930. And, but it is what it is. And I love watching our kids. It doesn't matter if I'm administrator on duty. I like being there. Mm-hmm. And I think the kids see that and, you know, I'm not in it to get a pat on the back and say, oh, man, I see it every game. That's not what it is. I'm in it because I love our kids. That's good. But, you know, I think one of the strengths in a leader is being present. And I, so I just think that is one of the things, especially as a principal, 
if you're at the games, the kids and the parents see that. And so yes. when things aren't good, when you're on those downturns and things are not good, they're yeah. going to trust your leadership because they, they see the relationships, they see the love you have for the school. So I think there's value in that as long as, like you said, the perspective stays right, that you're not doing it just to do it. Yes. No, your analogy is perfect. It's uh, back when I was younger, uh, when I became a head coach at 31, I went to Howe, Texas, and I used to tell my kids, I said, I love you guys. Well, they thought I was like crazy or whatever. And uh, finally, a young man that has a sophomore right now, he had texted me the other day and he said, coach, you know what? I always thought you were crazy when you told us you loved us. And now since I have children, I know, I know exactly what you mean. And so it, it didn't bother me. Uh, I would tell them things that I felt was on my heart. And, uh, you know, if, if they didn't agree with it, that was okay. And if somebody got a little speck of goodness out of it, then, then I was good with that as well. Yeah. Well, you know, <clears throat> another word, kind of a, I guess it's a buzzword right now, but I think it's an important word, culture. You know, building the right culture, you know, and I, I'm a big believer in that culture does matter and having the right culture does produce wins. I do believe that can overcome areas where you may not be the most talented, but um, so if you could describe the culture of Lampasas high school um, from your perspective as principal, you know, how, how would you describe it? You know, I think that we believe in each other. I really do. I think, uh, as you said, uh, having a good athletic program under the direction of Troy Rogers, he's, He's a, he's a strong leader. He uh, holds people accountable. I think we have to do that the same as a principal. But as a principal, I need to be – here's one of the hardest things. You want to know how people feel about you? Uh, let, do a survey and do mm. an anonymous survey uh, because they will let you have it. But I like those things. And someone says, why do you like an anonymous survey? Because people say stuff and they don't have to let – that you know who's saying it. I said, because what they're saying is I need to look at it and see if that is something really that we need to look at and fix. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm not opposed to having anonymous surveys, but at the same time, I want to have the kind of culture that uh, teachers can come to me and give me their opinion and their advice, advice. But one of the things we talked about all the time, Stuart, is don't come into my office unless you have a solution. Mm. Uh, and if they have a solution, bring it to me and we're going to talk and we're going to decide if that's best for our students and our teachers. And if it is, I have no problem making that because I don't want the limelight. I want to put things into the, the, I guess, into the hands of the teacher so they can be praised. Uh, and I, I'm fortunate enough to have a superintendent by the name of Shane Rasco that gives me that opportunity to perform. Mm. That's yeah. That's good. I like that. I like to believe in each other because yes. you can't get anywhere if you don't believe in each other, right? No, um you can you can fake it. You know, yes. you can fake it for a while, but it goes back to those um uh, those when the times get tough. It does. You gotta you gotta have people. I mean, even as a head coach, you gotta have a right hand man. It might be your DC, your OC, but even as a principal. I have to have someone that I trust and those people are my administrators and my department heads because they go back and talk to all of their teachers. Yeah. 
Yeah, very true. So, you know, um, a lot of people that, that listen to this um, are coaches, some administrators, athletes. So, um, and you, you mentioned a while ago that it's not always easy, if you will, to, to be bold in your faith with word uh, just because of restrictions. So what would you say to someone listening that is a believer, understands the platform they have, but is wanting to be bold in their faith, and it may not be in words, and, you know, how would you encourage them to, to use the platform they have, whether it's um, a coach in athletics or an administrator um, of a school? How would you encourage them to, to, to be bold? I think the way to do that is don't push it on people, but set an example. Mm. Uh, if you can set the example and uh, walk in, walk with Christ and they see that. I know uh, many times when I went into a new place as a new head coach, uh, some of the coaching staff, they'd be using profane, vulgar language. And uh, I didn't, I didn't use that. And uh, after a couple of weeks, one coach asked me, said, you don't, you don't use profanity. I said, I have before in my life. I'm not proud of it, but I don't use it around you guys or our kids. And, uh, and so I think instead of trying to push it on people, I think just lead by example. Uh, know that you're involved with things. Um, when I was here as a head football coach, I was the FCA leader. And uh, I think when the kids see that and they see and the coaches see you doing that, then uh, you have eight to ten coaches at the FCA meetings. And uh, then you have more coaches involved when they know the head person is being that person in so I think you've got to lead by example. It doesn't mean that if you're not a Christian, you can't lead, but I just think being a Christian helps me do that, and people see that that's the way my walk of life is, and uh, I think that just helps me, and it has helped me along the way. And in a world of social media, I think what you're saying is important because, you know, it's easy to talk about our faith on social media but when we're around our kids, our coaches, you know, how are we being an example? Because I can tell you story after story of people that, you know, say one thing and do another. So that being an example is so important. Now, you know, uh, one of the things when I went coaching at Hardin-Simmons University, you know, you got 20, 21, 22-year-old men uh, mm-hmm. that uh, – when I went up to Hardin-Simmons University, you know, it's a, a Christian uh, a school, a private school, and uh, the head coach, Jesse Burleson, we were talking one day, and I talked about 1976. He said, what, what happened in 1976? I said, that's when I graduated from high school. And he goes, well, that's when I was born. So that's mm. kind of a, it's kind of a crazy story, but my receivers, I was in charge of receivers and academic coordinator. Well, I don't care where those kids still use profane words. And uh, it was, it baffled me. But even though they were at a private school, they didn't all come from Christian families. And Mm -hmm. uh, one of the big stories that uh, was, so when they came around me, uh, they'd say a cuss word and they'd look at me and they'd say, oh, sorry, Coach McQueen. So they knew what my walk of life was. One of the biggest things that uh, was where I knew God was for us 
we had a young man that we finished playing a football game and later that night uh, he uh, had a flat tire was parked his car at the field house was walking home and he actually lived only about two blocks from me and he was hit by a car and was killed and he mm. was one of mine he was one of my receivers but the way we knew God was with him was we filmed our games and the camera stays on the field and uh, his parents were at that game and that camera panned on that young man and his family, like saying this is going to be the last time we see him. And so, you know, I know uh, what God does. I know uh, he's done a lot of things in my life that I think I'm all in and then all of a sudden he slaps me upside the face and says, Hey, look, you better get back on track. Mm. And, uh, there's a lot of things that he has done to do that. And uh, I'm so appreciative of what he has done. Absolutely. So a lot of people have a life verse, a favorite verse that they kind of live by, if you will. I was wondering if you had one or is there one that you've got shown you recently that you'd share with us you know uh i have several but one of them it's uh get my glasses on i don't know if you have bifocals yet how old are you are you 40 something yet i'm 48 be 49 in just a couple months at about 45 it hit me that i need to read her glasses but (laughs) anyway it was kind of recent i've seen it four or five times a day uh, and it's something that i have to go back and be kicked in the rear about, but it's uh, Luke 9, verses 23 to 24. Mm. And it says this, Then he said to them all, If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. And and I think it's hit me uh, right in the heart where it talks about if you think you're getting through this life by yourself and Every time something good happens to you, it's because of you. You need to backtrack and decide who helped you get here. And uh, I think that's happened to me in my life. And it's made me understand who, how we have to be with God, that we can't be about us. We've got to give it up for him. Mm. Well, that's good. And just that whole denying self is a challenge for 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 me and a lot of you know it's just a challenge for us naturally to put our own selfish desires aside oh it's you know uh you know when we talked about that real estate uh oh yeah that i got and when i go to Hardin simmons and people knew i'd been in high school coaching they wanted to me to sell them a house so i sold a duplex to a uh person coming to Hardin simmons and uh one of the coaches was his dad the contractor. He said, I'm just going to let you sell all my houses. Well, so I started doing that. You know, my bank account got pretty good, actually a little extra money. I'm thinking it's all about me. And what God was preparing me for was that my daughter, my oldest daughter was going through a divorce. Where do you think that Mm. money went? Yeah. And so he wasn't preparing me to make me feel good. He's preparing me to be able to help my daughter. So I know those things in my life have happened and uh, I'm so appreciative of what God has done for my wife and I. That's awesome. The last question I like to ask everybody is, is two words. It's all over sports. 
Um, as a coach, you've probably said it a thousand times about being all in, but it also goes back to um, as a follower of Christ that Luke nine twenty three um, you read and other verses in, in in the Gospels where Jesus talks about denying yourself and you know being all in our walk with Christ. So, Joey, kind of on a daily basis, you know, what does that look like in a practical sense to be all in with your faith? Well, you know, it means that you don't need to say you're this type of person, but you don't live it. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, if you're going to be that, what's the thing? If you're going to walk to, I mean, if you're going to talk to talk, you better walk to walk. Yeah. And uh, I really do feel that way. I think that, uh, you know, every once in a while I might have someone come around me and they use profane words. I just kind of look at them. I don't tell them, please don't do that around me. But what I do is not think it's the best thing for them to say. And uh, eventually they will know uh, they shouldn't say that around you and they know you're all in and hopefully they'll buy in to whatever it is as well. Because, you know, we're in a war. Uh, people don't all believe the same way we do. And, uh, you know, I asked a young person, uh, I said, hey, I didn't, won't you come to our youth group? And that person said, well, I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. And I'm like, okay, so right then I could have jumped in and said who really God was. But because of the law, I had to step back and understand that not all people believe the same way we do. Uh, but if you can show them an example, be all in, then it's going to come forward and maybe help them. I love that because it seems like that's been the theme throughout this whole conversation. It goes back to being an example. And you're right, because you don't also don't want to be the one that just pushes, pushes, pushes. Mm-hmm. Because by being that example and just loving them where they are, as much as we want them to find Jesus in that moment, um, we can't control that. Exactly. But I also know that when that kid or that parent's going, or that teacher or that coach is going, to, is going through a difficult time, they're going to remember, oh, Joey says he follows Jesus. I'm going to go talk to him. Yes, yes. And I've yeah. had you know some people do that, and it's uh, – I try to do it, like I said, I go back to what I said earlier, just by example, because I don't want to force it on them because, you know, they could they could put it back on you the wrong way, and I don't want that. I want it to be that I believe in them, and I want it to be that this is how you could go this way if you want it. Uh, we, I had one of my teachers, and her husband came to church, and I said, hey, where's your wife? She's one of my teachers, and he goes, oh, she just uses this as or time to go run on Sunday mornings. So I went by the next uh, week and I said, hey, I saw your husband at church. We'd love to have you there because it's a beautiful church and I think you'd love to be there. And uh, Now that's where she is. She's coming on Sundays to church. That's and, awesome. Uh, it's something that is good for her as well as for us. That's awesome. Very good. Well, I appreciate your time and your your support. Before I start the recap, I just want to say sorry for the abrupt ending there. Joey and I continued on a conversation um, just kind of offline there, so I apologize. I had to edit out that part. But thank you again to Joey for taking time to to share his heart. Just encourage us that we all have an influence, whether we're coaches, uh, teachers, administrators in the business world, husbands, wives. We all have people in our circle, and it's just the power of being an example. We do not need to lose sight of that power.
So I just want to encourage you to to take Joey's example of of just being where you are, understanding the the power of your influence, whether it's in word or actions. Thank you for listening. I'd ask you to share it with somebody that you know in your life that may need some encouragement. Um, we love to hear from you as well. Our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just type in the search bar, All In Sports Outreach. It'll take you to our pages. Find out who we are, why we do what we do, opportunities to serve, opportunities to pray, opportunities to give. Most of all, we're so appreciative of your support, your encouragement, and your prayers.